I'm your host, Wayne Blue, and I'm joined on the line virtually as we're working from home this week um, by producer and co-host Alex Wong. Alex, last time we heard you, you were carrying this show by yourself while I was sick. And then as soon as I came back, you Ben became sick. So I hope you're good, man. Yeah, I'm feeling better. You know, I had to go on that auto porter plan, you know, had a had a dislocated toe, you know, I had to dip that in the in the ice tub for two weeks. But no, glad to be back, man. It was nice seeing you at the arena the other day. I hadn't, hadn't seen you for two weeks, which is really rare during the season. Yeah, no doubt. Um, you know, we, we do see too much of each other um, just over the course of the season. But uh, no, I mean, look, listen, it was uh, it was first off, I got to just commend you. OK, great job holding down the show. I know how much uh, it takes out of you. Right. Um, so um, congrats on that front. It was some great oh, interviews you, there. And um, yeah, yeah, I name, mean, you name, know, name your favorite. Yeah. Uh, you know, the, the relevant <laughs> part of the show is, is the Raptors content, which obviously I have been hard at work going to all the practices and the, the games this week. Um, just just being a standard beat reporter, actually, this week, which is actually been kind of fun. Um, but uh, yeah, anyway, we were able to get down to Raptors practice to talk to Malachi Flynn. We're going to bring you that interview in a second, but uh, a couple more practice notes to pass along. Definitely did see Otto Porter walking around in the back. You know, still a bit of a slight limp, I would say. Uh, and then Christian Coloco was wearing like a wrap on his knee. Uh, he's getting an MRI, so hopefully he's going to be okay on that front because the Raptors already quite short on on centers. Um, yeah, Alex, any any takeaways from 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 that 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 riveting practice report that I just gave you? Well, it's unfortunate because Christian Coloco got hurt when he finished a dunk at the basket and it was such a such a beautiful play and then he had to limp off the floor. So hopefully he gets better soon. I think we've said enough about Otto Porter's injury at this point. Like do do you think I'll be back in the studio first before Otto is back on the court? Like I feel like that might be a bet we need to make. Mm. Yeah. Um damn, that's tough. You know, every single time Nick's asked about Otto, he he doesn't have any idea in terms of when he's going to come back. So I I think probably you know we'll probably see you back in the studio. I mean, we're, we're supposed to be back next week, right? Oh, that's right, that's right. We yeah. will be back to to regular programming next week. But yeah, no injuries are catching up to the Raptors again. Hopefully, Precious is back soon. But now Fred is questionable as well. So. I don't know, man. I'm sure we're going to talk about this more after the Malachi interview, but it's it's just been a frustrating season, man. Yeah, no, honestly, I, I think the the positive spin that I want to take on this, and we'll get to it right after the, the Malachi interview and the break, but um, I, I just want to see how some of the key Raptors can sort of flip their narratives on the season, because right now, it's not the strongest. But anyway, we, we, we were able to get down to practice yesterday. Um, this is right before we, we did the uh, the Blake Murphy Wednesday. And we're able to sit down with Raptors point guard Malachi Flynn, who is one of the top three most positive stories on the season. So here you go. Here's the interview. Okay, we're down here at Raptors practice with Raptors point guard Malachi Flynn. First off, Malachi, um, you know, happy holidays. Merry Christmas. Uh, Did you get any time to sort of spend with your family and sort of get away from it all? Um, Yeah, I mean, this this year, this is the first year we actually had Christmas off um, while I've been in the NBA. So I just... My family's back home, actually. It was too far of a trip, but um, I went to Nate Mitchell's house, um, had some good food with him, oh. so that was cool, yeah. Nice, nice, nice. Yeah. Okay, yeah, no, I, I heard, I mean, just because the weather was really bad, I heard a lot of people got stuck in Cleveland, which is probably not, like, the best place to get stuck at for, for, for the holidays, but um, no, I, I'm, I'm happy you got to 
at least sort of experience that a little bit. Now, um, for this conversation, I think the biggest theme I wanted to ask you about was sort of consistency, right? Like you haven't had much of it in your career in terms of consistent playing time. Um, but right now, you've really been put in a position every single night where you've um, come off the bench, but you've played a lot of games, you've played a lot of minutes, you've been closing a lot of these games. How have the last two weeks been for you uh, where you've been given this consistent role? Um, it's been good. I feel like I've had a lot of growth um, throughout this year and my previous years in the NBA. But um, just trying to help the team win, I think that's the biggest thing while I'm out there. Everything kind of goes out the window when you're on the court. You're just trying to find a way to get some wins, and we desperately need some right now. Right. And, you know, I think for you, um, you've been coming in and sort of giving – whatever you've got, right? Because your role kind of changes from time to time. Sometimes they play you in a two-point guard lineup. Sometimes you're the only point guard out there. Sometimes you're out there with Pascal, and even though he's obviously not, like, point guard size, but he kind of handles the ball a lot. So for you, in terms of adjusting and staying ready for different roles, like, what's the conversations like with Nick? Does he sort of walk you through in terms of, like, this is how it's going to be today, or is it more sort of just, like, you got to find your way out there on the floor regardless of sort of what situation you're in? Uh, I think he does a good job in practice, um, kind of throwing li- different lineups out there. So when we do get to the games, we're kind of prepared for both things. Um, I think when, just for me, just trying to play off different guys. Um, and I think I, I do a pretty well, good job with that, just seeing who's in the game and, and kind of going off of that and, and playing to everybody's strengths. Right. So um, when you're out there with Fred versus when you're out there with Pascal, what's the difference like there? Um, well, I know Pascal's going to draw a lot of double teams. So when he's out there, you know, I'm just trying to give him an outlet if he needs it. Um, if, if my man is the one to help either cut, open it up for him, or be ready to catch and shoot. And I know he'll find me um, when, when he feels like he needs to. And then Fred, you know, he's it's the same, similar, honestly. Um, he's a playmaker, gets into the paint a lot. So just being prepared for the ball whenever. Um, and then when I do have the ball with Fred, just knowing there's another shooter out there and another mm. playmaker is, is good to go. Yeah, no, it's interesting, especially the, the lineups with Fred, because I feel like last season, so one of the bigger things was just, like, the Raptors wanted to play big all the time, right? And so when Fred was already out there, and it made it hard for you to also be out there as well, just because you guys don't want to be small in the backcourt. Sure. But then I was thinking about it, like, in your rookie season, you guys literally started with Kyle and Fred in the backcourt all the time, and then, of course, you were in the mix as well. So in that, in those two point guard lineups, like, how do you feel like that helps both you and Fred, you know, in terms of just getting your shots both – in terms of having guys who can handle, who can sort of create, who can sort of also shoot, obviously. Yeah, I mean, I like it, to be honest. I mean, it's just two guys out there that can can, can shoot, can play make, and it gives him a chance to get off the ball if he needs to. Um, and if he wants to get on the ball, then he has another outlet out there to, to do the similar things that he can do, get in the paint, um, dish it out. So I think we're just trying to work in tandem with each other. We haven't had too many minutes out there, but I think we're getting better um, playing with each other. Yeah, yeah, and I think the, one of the bigger keys there, too, is just, like, Nick's trying to look for more consistent three-point shooting, and that's something where, for this season in particular, I mean, you could have, you all were always a really good shooter, but, like, this year, you're leading the team in three-point percentage. You're well above 40. Every single night you come out, and, and, and you're looking for the three as well. I was looking through your numbers the last six games. Um, you're playing about 26 minutes a game, but you're getting up five threes a game and you're shooting very efficiently. What's been the the, the work that you put into your three-point shot basically since coming into the NBA? Because that's got to be like the number one thing everyone really looks for. Yeah, I think just reps. I mean, over the summer, over the course of the, the year, you just got to get your reps in. For me, I, I've always been a, a good shooter, but 
just continue to get those reps and being more consistent when you when you're in a position where you come off the bench and you got to make that first shot. That mm-hmm. was a little bit of an adjustment. So for me, just getting the reps in the summer, working on like just sitting down in the gym, getting up and going straight to threes. Like I had never done that before. I'd always kind of start close and go out, but the way my role would be, I would come in and my first shot might be a three. Mm-hmm. So yeah. just kind of remembering that and working on those things, and then just being confident and knowing, trusting that to. Trusting the work that you put in is gonna is gonna pay off, and that's all I've been doing. Yeah, no, because I've been thinking about your career. Because like you know, when you were at San Diego, or even the the first year in Tampa, where obviously towards the end of the year, guys were out, Kyle was out, Fred was out. You had the ball in your hands, and you were able to run it as a point guard, and you're able to distribute. You knew your minutes were coming. You were able to sort of take the shots that were there, but you also had tons of games with like double digit assists. Of late, especially this season, it, it feels a lot like they're bringing you in off the bench. And looking for you to score, right? In particular, and I think maybe last year that was a bigger adjustment for you. But this year, you you look really prepared. Like you're coming in and you're looking for your shot. You're catching it. You're shooting it right away, or you're attacking that closeout and you're you're making the next pass. Um, how how did you have to change your mentality and your preparation for the game to sort of get ready for that kind of role? Because it's very different than the way you traditionally played. For sure, I think for me, it's just being ready for whatever you know when I get out there if a shot is the first thing that's open shoot it if it's a drive if it's a closeout and driving and kick it just be be prepared for whatever and I think it just goes back to the work I put in um over the summers and and over the year just just being prepared for whatever comes um if there's a shot that you feel good just let it go don't think about it don't think too much when I'm out there and then just letting whatever happens happens but isn't that, was that a bit of an adjustment for you? Like last season, for example, when they had you in a very similar role, a lot of games you would come in, you wouldn't make the first two shots, and then you know it felt like Nick was like, all right, I got to look in a different direction, right? Like for a player, is that hard to sort of really adapt to? Because I mean, it's a make or miss league. Like you know, sometimes you're not going to make your first shot, but maintaining that confidence, knowing that you know you're still able to come in and be aggressive no matter what the results are. Yeah, for sure, it's, it's definitely an adjustment. Just um, I mean, it's the it's the role that you were put in. So at first, it's Definitely um, challenging, but just it's getting more games, doing the same thing. You you kind of get a rhythm to it, and then you kind of know what to expect. So for me, coming off the bench and, and being ready, being locked in right away, that was a little bit of an adjustment. But I think I'm getting a little better at that. Yeah. Well, I, I think the other thing too is you know um, your your defense has been noticeable. I, I think you know when you had that big block on Emmanuel quickly at the end of that Knicks game, it was a really close game, and it was uh, I mean. He, he was shooting a well from three. I think he made like six threes that game, and you blocked his shot. Um, you know, it, it sort of put the focus on your defense a little bit. I, I want to hear your assessment in terms of how you sort of fared on on the defensive end as well uh, now that you've been given a lot more minutes. Yeah, I mean, I think I do a, a good job of, of moving my feet um, and, and keeping guys in front as, as well as I can. Obviously, I'm six foot. Uh, you know, there's only so much you can do at, at that size. Um, but... I can do it in other ways, you know, try to make guys uncomfortable, um, put a little ball pressure on them. So for me, just trying to stay in front, fight through screens, um, be there on rotations, find a way to get a steal here and there. And I think that's kind of where I can show uh, my value on defense. Yeah, I mean, Nick's talked about that over the years about how he wants you to be, like, really scrappy on defense, right? And, and the guys that, you know, you, you've had some really scrappy guards. Like Kyle Lowry is, like, the definition of a scrappy guard. You know, a small guy, but he sort of plays bigger and he takes those charges and and Fred kind of the same deal, you know. He doesn't take the charge, but he obviously, you know, is very good with the with the the the, the steals and the, the blocks and stuff like that. 
Um, for yourself, like, is, is it hard to sort of craft that defensive identity when the league is sort of moving this direction where everybody's big out there? Like, a lot of nights you don't even have a guy that you can sort of look across and be like, you know, this is, okay, this is my matchup. I'm the same size as him. A lot of times you got to guard a bigger guy. So you almost have to invent, like, a defensive identity for yourself. Um, yeah, but I also at the same time, you know, it's it's kind of what I've done my whole life. I've never been big mm. uh, out there. So, you know what I'm saying? So it's I've I've had experience guarding taller guys, stronger guys, and I feel like I can use my quickness, use my smarts to kind of get ways around that and, and find a way to be effective on that end. Yeah. Well, I mean, that's the thing, too, because you, you see a lot of these games, like, for example, that the Clipper game that just happened last night, right? Like, you'll see where they'll bring your guy into the screen and then try to force a switch against you. And I, I noticed the, the way Nick likes to play it is, like, he likes to bring a second defender, come over and, and force him to give it the ball when you are switched on to a guy like Kawhi and Paul George, which makes sense. Those guys, I mean, everybody double teams those guys. But for your team, I mean, you guys have a lot of really strong individual defenders. Sometimes do you wish that, like, you could have that opportunity to see what you can do where it looks like a mismatch, but you can really lock into your assignment and try to handle it one-on-one instead of, you know, always bringing over the help? Uh, I mean, yeah, I think you internally, you definitely you want to guard, be able to guard guys one-on-one um, without help. Um, but that's just kind of the way we play. Um, we, we send a lot of help. We're on boxes and elbows, and we make guys get rid of it. So, I mean, our, our, I think our defensive scheme works, um, and it's shown when we follow it, it, it does work. So I think moving forward, I don't think we'll change what we do. Right, but right. I think that's a good thing, the way we – make guys get rid of the ball and, and keep rotating. I, I think we do a good job at that. Yeah, because, you know, I, I was listening to, um, to to Nick when he had this, like, coaches seminar, and he talked about how, like, after games, there's, like, a defensive report card that you guys get, like a, like a special box score, not the one that you can look up on, like, ESPN or whatever, where you guys track things like, you know, the deflections and shot contests and how often you pressure the ball. Um, for a player, in terms of playing that style, like, how much are you looking to see the results of that? and sort of trying to play towards that specific style that Nick wants you out of you guys? Yeah, it's important. I mean, for me, I, I'm definitely looking at, at the numbers um, game to game. They they show us it, and you always want to be in the green. We got, like, different colors that you want to green's the best, red's the worst. Mm-hmm. Um, so each category, I'm just trying to be in the green um, just to make sure I'm doing everything that I can to give myself a chance to make the possession goes right when we usually – when we do those things and everybody's in the green, then usually that possession ends well. So for me, just trying to start start it off well and then hope for the best. Right. Um, now, I, I wanted to ask, because I, I heard that, um, you know, sometimes you are also pretty hard on yourself. You can be, a, you know, your your own, you know, worst critic in that sense. So I wanted to ask, because you're, you're playing a lot more minutes now. Like, what are some of the things that when you're looking at right now that you want to do even better? Right, because clearly mm-hmm. you're playing really well, and I'm asking a lot of things that you're doing well defensively, offensively. But in your own assessment, what are you, what are you looking to improve? Um, I think on the defensive end, trying to find a way to be a little, little more disruptive, um, trying to get a couple more steals. Obviously, not gambling and getting mm-hmm. out the way, yeah. but I've always been a guy that could find a way to get some steals. So definitely trying to do that. And then on the offensive end, just continue to do what I'm doing um, and, and getting other guys involved as well. Getting to the paint when I get to the paint and make create for others I, I like that as well too you know we don't I think we do a good job of of getting in the paint and then dishing out so I just need to be one of those guys that can create a shot for somebody else you know it's it's hard to go one-on-one all game with mm-hmm. teams defending us and throughout the whole game it, it gets it gets tough to 
to make one-on-one shots all game. So for me, coming in, be ready to shoot um, and make plays, I think that's that's one area I want to still get a little better at making plays for others. Yeah, no, I, I like that too. I, I like, you know, just sort of how honest you've been with that sort of self-assessment. And I think, you know, one thing I've always been curious about, because it happened last night, um, Nick Yusa's challenge against, you know, for you, right? It, it was a play where you were guarding Norman Powell on the baseline and, and you didn't foul him, but the refs called something. And, and Nick used a challenge for you. Is that a big deal for players in terms of, like, which player the coach is using that challenge on? Or is that something that we're sort of just, like, noticing in the media, but for you guys not as big of a deal? Uh, I mean, yes and no. I think it was a, a crucial time in the game where we it, we needed to stop. And it looked like it could have went off him, too. So I mm-hmm. think the coaches were looking like it could be our ball at the same time. So I think it was a great challenge on his end. I, I knew I didn't foul him. Um I wish that we we got the ball right after. I didn't know why they, it was a jump ball. If the yeah, ball was going to. I wish I yeah. wish we got the ball, but um, I thought it was a good challenge, and it's definitely, it's definitely you feel good when you get the call reversed. Yeah, when, yeah. when it's when they call a foul on you and it's not, you definitely feel good. Well, I mean, I was gonna say because. Nick usually uses that for Pascal. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You know what I mean? Like, yeah, it's almost like exactly. their seventh vowel. For sure. So when, whatever goes to anyone else, I'm, all, I'm always sort of taking notice of that, too. Um, you know, I, I wanted to ask you, in terms of as, as a player, right, like um, the, the, the amount of focus that you got to have year after year because you got drafted in the first round, you got brought in, and you got a great chance in, in, in Tampa, and you really show what you had, right? Like, the, you won Rookie of the Month towards the end there, and – you showcase a lot of your game, but then the next season they bring in Delano and there's like, you guys split the point guard roles there. And then the next season you got Jeff Doughton coming in as well. There's just constant competition all the time in the NBA. Like how do you sort of maintain your focus and, and, and sort of even maintain your confidence, even with so much competition year after year? I mean, it's the love of the game for me. There's, there's not a year that goes by that I'm not trying to get better. And that's been from what, sixth, seventh grade. I'm in the summer. I'm going to try to make sure I, work on some things, and I come back noticeably be better. Um, and, I mean, who doesn't like to compete? It's the NBA. It's the best of the best. So mm-hmm. you 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 know that you're going to have to compete for a spot. Nothing's guaranteed. Um, but I love the game. Um, so I'm, I put my all in this, and whatever happens, happens. And that's why I stay so confident because I know I've done the work that I that I need to. Right. And then last question. I was, I was listening to um, an interview that, that your mom, Christy, actually was doing. Um, with uh, with Kim Birch's mom, actually, she's got a podcast, and, and she was talking about how your whole family, like, you guys, are all in basketball, all right? And everyone knows mm-hmm. from well, maybe they don't know, but on draft night, there was that photo of you guys that kind of went viral. It was like all of you guys together, and the story there is just like you guys were all in basketball. Your brothers in basketball, your sisters are in basketball. Your dad coached you guys as well. How much has your family been like a huge support for you throughout the course of your career? Because I imagine as, as a pro, especially on, on the big stage, like it can get really, really tough to handle emotionally. What, what, what's the role that your family has played for you in that support? I mean, it plays a huge role. Family is, is everything to me. I know they always got my back at the end of the day. I'm the youngest of seven. Um, so growing up, they, they made it tough on me as they should. And um, it benefited me. And mm-hmm. now they, they still got the support if I ever need anything. They're a phone call away. They come in and out of here. Um, so it's, it feels good just knowing I got them whenever I need to. It's I got six siblings and two parents and a whole bunch of cousins and uncles that yeah. whenever I need something, um, you know, they're right there to call on. Oh, fair enough. All right, Malika, I want to wish you the best of luck this season. You've really come on strong. You're, you've, you've taken this chance. You're running with it, and I hope you keep going. All right? Yes, sir. Thank you. Thanks for having me.
All right, that was our interview with Raptors point guard Malachi Flynn. Alex, um, listening to it, any takeaways? Yeah, it was great, man. I always appreciate Malachi's honesty. And honestly, it's it's super cool to see him, you know, have this recent stretch of play. Like, you know, we've, we've been talking so much about the backup point guard position for the last couple of years, and we've been talking so much about Malachi getting minutes. And it just seems like since Tampa, he's just never had a stretch and I just think it's super cool. And, and it's cool to hear him talk about just the challenges of, of you know, defending bigger guys in the league and, and, you know, things that he wants to improve on in the season. Like, I don't know how you feel about Malachi, but like, I, I hope I hope he stays in the rotation moving forward, man. Yeah, well, I mean, first off, he's the only guy on the team that's even shooting a remotely decent percentage from three. Um, the numbers for him right now, he's at 47% on the season. Obviously, it, it's... it's the sample is low, so you know we can expect to see that sort of fluctuate. Um, but I- I'm seeing promising signs, and even if you go back and look at his career, you know, catch and shoot, you know, three point percentages. Right now, he's at 23 of 46 on catch and shoot threes for the season, so 50, percent which is obviously quite high. But when you look at the totality of his career so far, he's at a career 40 percent on catch and shoot threes. That's something the Raptors badly need: is a guy to come in and just let those things go. But I think the nice thing with Malachi of late, too, is just seeing him get more attempts up, right? That that confidence is something that's really starting to stand out. And, he, he, again, just in preparation for the interview, I was really thinking about his career in terms of just, like, what kind of role he played in college, what kind of role he even played in Tampa when he got a lot of time. And it's always, like, a floor general kind of, you know, style of play, right? It, it's sort of um, get everyone else involved, run pick and rolls, and, yes, he's going to score, but he's also going to have lots of assists. Whereas I think... In the last two seasons, they've really pivoted and transitioned him into more of a combo guard role where his his job is to come off the bench and just start to score right away. And I'm seeing that right now from him. Like, it's, I think that's the thing that the Raptors badly need is is that element. And, of course, you got to be good on defense to play for Nick. And, you know, there are still concerns. Like, when you watch the, the game against the Clippers, like, a lot of the times Malachi got switched on to Kawhi and they would immediately bring a double team and try to get Kawhi to bring the, move the ball because they're worried about that matchup. But at the same time, I, I do think that um, if he's given a little bit more chances to sort of prove himself defensively and, and be tough on that front, he can come up with a couple of stops as well. And yeah, I, I just, on, on a team without a lot of guards, you know, I think last year that cut against him, right? Like you're just not going to be able to find a lot of minutes when the whole idea of the team is let's put five forwards out there. Um, but this year, I think that five forward thing just hasn't really worked out or even just like clicked to the way the Raptors want it to. And so they've had to go back into more of a traditional look. And that's where Malachi is getting this chance. And when we look ahead to things like free agency and things like that, I mean, Malachi is one of the guards who actually has a contract beyond this year that, you know, you do think that if the Raptors don't ultimately move him, which right now they don't have a lot of guards. So I, I don't really see that much of an incentive to move him. Um, but you know, like he, he could be here a little bit longer. He could be here in in a more prominent way than even he is right now. And, and yeah, if Gary goes or Fred goes, that you'll probably see more Malachi. So it's good to sort of check in with him. I think at this you know point in the season, just to see him on an upswing. And I really meant what I said at the end there too, because it's not like I've always been the biggest like believer in Malachi either. I don't want to sort of like present that either. Obviously everyone could go back through the podcast and, you know, I've had doubts too about him, but at the same time, you always root for these people, especially get young guys in the league who haven't made their money yet, just to like really 
take the opportunities that they get and run with it. Because if they don't, you could be out of the league really quickly. And I think Malachi is a really talented guy. He's 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 really hardworking. He's really serious about his craft, as you can kind of tell with his with his uh, interview here. And yeah, and I, I mean, I'm just hoping that you know he can continue to fulfill this role. Yeah, I wonder too, you know, I think whenever we talk about Malachi, you know, and you bring this up and a lot of people always bring this up and it's about just like being able to have him on the floor without it being, uh, you know, a huge, you know, deficiency on the defensive end. But, you know, like you you talked with Blake earlier this week and we've seen it, like the defense hasn't been that great this season. And I wonder too, at what point, like, is it on the coach? to be able to find ways to maximize a player like Malachi Flint. Like not saying that, you know, Malachi, you know, clearly is a role player on this team, but, you know, like you mentioned, like he's got the shooting skills and then they're lacking in, in three-point shooting and they're desperate for that right now. Like, you know, sometimes that's on the player, but like I look around the league too. Like I feel like every roster has players who are flawed in some ways and, and you know, you're going to have to find a way to work them into the rotation. So I wonder sometimes too, like how much of it is, is not just on the player, but but on the coach and, and the coaching staff too, to, to be able to like figure out ways to integrate a player like Malachi into the rotation. Yeah, I mean, no doubt. I mean, I think especially because right now they're they're struggling like they are they need to find production, especially in terms of three-point shooting. And and Malachi is like the lead. He's he's the team leader in three-point percentage right now. So, you know, when you are struggling, you have to find a way to accommodate him. And and I think the two-point guard thing is an interesting look. Um, you know, it's something that the Raptors have had success with over the years. And, yeah, I mean, obviously playing more Malachi does mean that it does limit your defense in certain ways. But at the same time, like, you, you got to find a way to sort of make this thing um, – at least somewhat manageable offensively, right? The Raptors have had a lot of issues defensively, but they're also having a lot of issues scoring in the half court offensively. And I do think that Malachi coming off the bench, he's pairing well with both Fred and um, Pascal. A lot of these runs that Pascal goes on with the bench, right? I'm thinking about the Knicks game, for example, Malachi was out there with him. And not just with him in the, in the sense that like other guys are also on the floor as well, but a lot of those other guys are just like in the paint screening or trying to get to the offensive glass or, or there to play defense. Malachi is the guy who was out there with Pascal playing that little two-man game at the top of the floor or, you know, um, just being that secondary ball handler. And, you know, again, all that's really contingent on him being with the knockdown, the three, which he's doing right now. So, no, I'm I'm just I'm just kind of happy for him, man. My overall impression of Malachi every single time we've talked to him, which is only twice uh, in in this like a sit down one on one in setting, is just that he's just like a pure hooper. Like he really just like focuses really hard on how to improve his game and. He takes it seriously. Um, you know, he talked about how every summer he wants to come back with something. And, and and yeah, I mean, of course, as with any young guy, he's going to have to adapt and find his role. But right now, it looks like he's finding a role. And if he can keep it for the rest of the season, I think that'll be one of the more positive storylines. Like, the way I'm thinking about Malika is, like, could he be this year's version of Chris Boucher, right? Remember Chris last year had a, had a really, really tough time. And then midway through the season, he had that game in Cleveland. And he kind of, you know, realized, oh, my God, you know, I got to be a role player. And it really clicked in for him, and he had a really, really strong finish to the season. Now, I don't think Malachi really struggled at all this season. Um, he's just sort of not had time. But, you know, over the course of his career, he's sort of been a guy who hasn't really found his role. But if this is the role that's been given to him, and if he can find some runway with it, like, ideally, this is like one of those, you know, Chris Boucher kind of turnaround storylines. What do, you, what do you think of that idea? Yeah, no, I, I like that. I think with Malachi, like, it just always comes back to, to just opportunity, right? Like, how, like, if the season continues trending this way for the Raptors, 
Like, I would like to see. I think there's a longer runway to to see what Malachi can do. And, like, at some point, too, when it comes to just, like, player evaluation, you have to look at it from a standpoint of of letting the guys play on the floor and, like, letting the guys play through their mistakes. And, like you said, like, letting the guys find their role, right? Like, I know Chris found himself. He was he was benched and, you know, he was called out for a little bit, like, last season. Oh, he, he just got called out yesterday as well. Yeah, I guess he's, he's going through that, you know, right now. So, you know, Nick <laughs> Nurse is doing reruns at this point. It's oh, season right. seven of Seinfeld again. But, like, yeah, so... What's the I, I think deal with Chris <laughs> No, nah, please. But no, like, I, I didn't even watch that show. But like Malachi, I think you just want to see what Malachi can do over the course of a season, right? Like, how do you really evaluate yeah. a player like that? And, you know, like we can talk about, you know, him having to guard, you know, bigger guys on the floor and what that might mean for the defense. But but maybe Malachi is kind of like a prototype of a player, you know, ball handler, three-point shooter, that the Raptors can can look at kind of adding to this group too, right? Like maybe you upgrade the Malachi position, but maybe you need to see Malachi more on the floor to be able to see if that's something that you want to integrate long-term into the vision of this team. Mm. Yeah, no, that's interesting. That's an interesting idea. Um, but yeah, regardless, I, I think it's just, it's been good. I, I think for, uh, on the basic human level, it's just a guy who hasn't gotten a lot of chances, but has continued to work really hard. And, and now he's taken that chance. So, you know, good luck to Malachi the rest of the season. Uh, starting tonight, actually, you're probably going to need to see him a lot uh, defensively tonight. There are there are going to be some matchups for him to to really have to handle. Um, you know, starting with John Morant. So I'm not saying that that's going to be the primary assignment. Uh, but uh, yeah, if he gets a couple of possessions on him, that is probably as hard of a a guard in this league as there that there is. So um, we're going to quickly take a break right here. Uh, I've been your host Willu, and you've been listening to the Raptor Show on the Sportsnet Radio Network. Have you checked out Bet Rivers yet? Download the Bet Rivers online casino and sportsbook app today. Get in the action this basketball season with thousands of betting options. Plus, don't forget about Bet Rivers Sportsbook award winning customer service. It's a whole new game with Bet Rivers online casino and sportsbook. Must be 19 plus, available in Ontario only. Please play responsibly. If you have questions or concerns about your gambling or someone close to you, please contact Connects Ontario at 1 866 531 2600 to speak to an advisor free of charge. Alex, what's going on, man? What's up? What's good, man? What do you want to talk about second segment? Look, I just I want to bring some positivity to to the coverage of the team at the moment just because of the fact that there just isn't a lot of like really positive storylines. I know the Raptors did win two straight, and honestly, those are two really good wins, right? Beating the Knicks, who were red hot at the time, uh, who were coming off of eight straight wins. By the way, the Knicks haven't won since, and they gave up a 60-21-10 stat line to Luka. Um, damn, that, that's probably like the, the wildest stat line I've seen since Kobe's 81. So Yeah, I mean, um, Luka's, Luka and, um, and Jokic, they're dropping stat lines every other night, and it's being compared to like Wilt. So they're actually putting up numbers that like we've never seen ever, and you don't even think Wilt's a hundred game, hundred point game happened. <laughs> I'm just saying, did he cherry pick the whole game? Like again, like I want footage. I understand that like there was no video of this game for some reason, which is unfortunate. I know that uh, there was a radio call. I would love to hear it. There's like um, newspaper clippings, man. Okay, all right. Well, I, I, just, I just look. I just want to see it. That's all. You know, I want to see no, the I'm with you. newspaper I'm with clipping. You. I'm with you. I, I don't want to see the descri- I want to see ten things. From 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 Wilt's 100 games. Yo, Actually, 10, I, things, I, I hope, 10 things I was all in his baskets, things. man. <laughs> Holy. 
<laughs> Yo, this guy, uh, this guy thinks the photo of Wilt holding up the hundred on the paper is like the moon landing, man. I mean, listen, listen no, I believe in the moon landing. There's no, there's nothing to believe in. On oh, that okay, thing. okay, yeah. Let's just clarify. But, uh, but, but on the one hundred thing, I don't know, man. I could, I could hold up a piece of paper tomorrow. Um. Anyway, so listen, I, the, the Raptors did have two positive wins. Is what I'm trying to say, right? They, they beat the Knicks. They beat the Cavs, right? Um. And we were feeling pretty good heading into the holidays. It was like, all right, Raptors haven't really played as well as we expected them to at this point but it looked like they were turning around and of course they have that blowout loss to the clippers and all of a sudden it's sort of back to the same storylines of like man this team is just not it and should we tank and you know I th- i'm i see people looking at the standings already which i guess you can do it any single time although I, I do think that it's not too meaningful to look at the standings when there's like 50 games to go um but the raptors at the moment are not even in the play-in race in the eastern conference because you know damar led an incredible comeback against uh the bucks and so it's there's a lot of negativity is what i'm trying to say and i think that my thing is just like can some of the raptors like turn their narratives around on the season right because for me the guys who have positive storylines or the positive narratives right now that don't really need to change too much are just pascal og and i would i would throw malachi into this mix um, I maybe that's a little bit ambitious on my front, but we literally just had a sit down interview with him. So wow, this, this is the most this, this is the most pro Malachi episode ever, man. <laughs> yeah, I know I, it is what it is, man. Um, the neutral storylines that I have are are Wancho, Thad, Kem, and Otto. I mean, there's just no like no one really cares too much in terms of like ultimately what their storylines are in the season. They're just here to be dependable vets. Right. Sure. So like if they have a great game, we're not gassing them up. If they have a bad game, we're not saying that they lost us the game. The four guys that I'm looking at are Fred Van Vliet, Scotty Barnes, Gary Trent Jr., Precious Ochua. These are the guys that I think that in order for the Raptors season and the Raptors narrative to turn around, their season and their personal narrative has got to turn around. So I kind of want to go through these four guys with you, starting with Fred. Okay, sounds good, man. Let's do it. <laughs> okay, all right. <laughs> so this is Fred's current narrative, okay? Uh, people keep right. bringing up the fact that he shot 35% post-All-Star break, 35% in the playoffs, and on the season – um, he's probably a little bit north of 35%, but just efficiency-wise, his scoring has not been the most efficient, okay? Um, and the, uh, th- uh, the other thing I think that's frustrating people is that they, they don't really have a good reason for why he's been struggling, right? Uh, by the way, he's shooting 38% on the season right now, which is still not good, but, you know, whatever. Um, and, and I think that the concern is sort of just like, why is he struggling? In fact, I think a lot of people are not even accepting sort of some of the reasons that Fred is personally trying to put out there in terms of, you know, when I went down to practice and I asked him, like, you know, what's going on with your season, basically. And, you know, he was talking about how there's a role change and all this other stuff. So um, but that's the current narrative It's just people aren't happy with his offensive production. To me, the, the, the turnaround for Fred is the easiest one, which is just to get really hot on catch or shoot threes the rest of the season, which we have seen him do last season like last year uh you know around the all-star break i think fred was literally the most efficient catch and shoot three-point shooter in the league at a high volume and then of course that has completely tailed off since um but yeah if he could just rediscover his shooting stroke i don't think actually anyone will really start to complain in fact that's the number one thing you need to see out of the team in, in your opinion how does fred turn this narrative around if, if not the three-point shooting I think Fred needs to go back to the role that was he was supposed to play this season, like the the off-ball role that they talked about and talked about. Nick talked about managing his minutes as well. And, you know, last year he played 37.9 minutes. This year he's at 36.7. 
And okay, I think so we were joking. Mission accomplished. About this. What do you want, man? <laughs> no, but but we were joking about this in in preseason that his minutes were gonna drop from 37 to 36. And this has actually happened. Now, granted, of course, Pascal was out for an extended period and they've had to deal with injuries. So it seems like Fred's just gone back to his role. But my thing with Fred long term, and, and I think when you talk about Fred, you can talk about this season, and I agree with you with the shooting that's going to turn the narrative around for him this season. But when you're thinking about his role long-term, he does need to just play a more limited role. I feel like on this team, like just for the durability of, of his body. And I think if you can get Fred to be a 32, 33 minute guy and you have Pascal, Scotty and an OG take more of the responsibilities offensively, you know, hopefully you have a backup guard like a Malachi or someone else that Nick can trust and, and be in the rotation, a 32-minute version of Fred Van Vliet, I think, is the best version of Fred, you know, for himself and for this team moving forward. So I yeah. think long-term, that's the big thing. Well, look, listen, if Malachi can continue what he's doing right now, like, you, you do feel a little bit more confident with that, right? So hopefully that comes around. Although right now, Fred is dealing with back spasms, and uh, we don't even know if he's going to play tonight. So, um yeah, as with most of the Raptors' plans, they kind of get dashed quite quickly. Um, the next player, um, in terms of flipping their narratives around, so Scotty Barnes, the current narrative with him right now is a lot of expectations not met, right? And I think some of that is from the fans, some of that is from the coaching staff, some of that is from the front office, right? And, and you, you've heard two pretty big stories about Scotty this year in relation to the front office and Scotty Barnes. You got Michael Grange. Um, reporting that Masai had to sit down with Scotty one on one to deliver some hard truths. This is uh, after, um, this is before their their game against Brooklyn. Um, Masai was was down in, in Brooklyn to to sort of have this combo with with Scotty. Then Doug Smith reported that uh, team executives were not happy with the way Scotty kind of came in and out of team workouts in the summertime. Right. So again, these are all these aren't just like hit pieces from the media. These are just like the media relaying to you like what the front office felt about some of these scenarios right this is and by the way if, if any of this was inaccurate I, I think the front office or the coaching staff would have come out and publicly pushed back against it um so that that's what the expectation is essentially it's just like the expectation hasn't been met now it's actually funny because when you look at scotty's numbers they're not that dissimilar from last year just like if you actually open up fred's stat page it's not that dissimilar in fact if he just gets right from three-point range again he's going to meet or even exceed last year's numbers but listen the, the idea, though, is that one of those guys needed to be the number one, number two option. Ideally, it was going to be Scotty. And I think that especially when Pascal was out, a lot of the production was kind of empty. And so that's where the frustration was. Now, for me, the turnaround, it's already happening. The turnaround is actually already happening. In December, Scotty is playing a lot better. This has been his best month of the season so far. A lot of it is just him playing center, which has really benefited his numbers. The last two games here, he's, he's come close to triple doubles, right? He's been able to... Um, you know, score much more efficiently. He's able to be around the basket a lot more. His rebounding is up. All this is very natural for a guy playing center, in addition to the fact that I think Nick really likes the advantage of having a small ball center who can push the pace and also get his own shot uh, to attack um, the more traditional centers. Because that's actually all the Raptors have been playing of late. It's 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 been like, you know, Joel Embiid. And then it was like Mitchell Robinson, who's a traditional, like, you know, lob catching center. And then you have... Jared Allen, right? And then you had, uh, you know, Ivica Zubac. And and it's not like the Raptors had won all of these. They're, they're two and two since Scotty went to center. But his numbers have looked a lot better. And, and no one else has really complained. 
Is there anything else you you want to see out of Scotty to sort of turn around his current narrative? You know, I think honestly, just got to kind of let him play through this season and like kind of find his footing and, and you know, make the mistakes and stuff. Because like, you know, we talked about Scotty so much at the start of the season. And I think, you know, all of us, including ourselves, had really high expectations for him. And I think we've just had to be realistic about it, you know, whether... You know, it is the fact, you know, with the reports of him, you know, uh, maybe not working, you know, on improving or adding to his game during the summer or like the role definition on this team. Like he's still a second year player. And I think it's OK. I guess it's OK for us to be disappointed in him this season and and still have hopes that, you know, he, he can meet the expectations that we have for him. Like I just think about, you know, when when my favorite player, Kevin Durant, was here and, you know, after the Nets beat the Raptors for, for the fourth time, Shousa uh, Yuta Watanabe. And, like, no shots he was him, asked... To, Come on. He, he was, was asked about... He was a little too happy about that one. <laughs> to catch I didn't like how he uh, smiled. <laughs> <laughs> no more wrong. Um, by the way, Utah in the three-point contest would be pretty cool, actually. They should Are actually we pushing it now? Happen. I, I, I saw Takashi pushing it. three-point contest so. once. Right, I, so. I saw I saw Matt Bonner in a three point contest. We could see we could see Utah in the three point contest. Utah's literally like a league leader, right? Like I, I think he should actually be there. But yeah, you know, you know, KD was asked about Scotty because because I think people remember like KD had such high praise after going up against Scotty last year, and 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 KD said the same things, right? Like he was asked about Scotty's struggles, and he said that that's just how it is. Like that's just how it is in this league. Like you're gonna have to fight through the ups and downs, and you're gonna have to figure out how to add things to your game and, and how to work mm. on it. So I think that's really it. And it's it's hard to do those things like in season, right? Like we think about so much about DeMar DeRozan, um, you know, adding things to his game during his his tenure here. We, we look at Pascal and, you know, I, I think it's just the onus is on Scotty to do the same thing. I think from the very beginning, even when he was putting up huge numbers last season and then we started comparing him to, to like, you know, these other franchise players and what he could be in the future. The one thing you always go back to with these young guys is, is just the work ethic, right? Like like yeah. the work ethic and, and, and what they want out of their careers. And I think nothing has changed in that regard for Scotty. You know, you can see the skill sets there. Like he'll walk himself into like a 17, 13 and eight on any given night. But I think it's just finding the consistency and continue to improve on your game. And it just might be one of those things where we're going to have to see if we can make a jump in year two, in year three now, like from year two. Yeah, no, and, and and I think you're absolutely right. Like that, that is where the improvement happens is is largely in off season, and I think the the rest of the season you can kind of use it in a similar way the Raptors used last season for Scotty as well, which is just to figure out what role he's most comfortable in, and then knowing that role he can kind of continue to work in that role. Right now, it seems like the center position seems to be doing well for him, so we'll kind of go with it there. But also at the same time, you have to kind of continue to sell him on that idea because I, I just think that that is very opposite of the way he wants to play. But at the same time, that's probably the most effective way for him to play at the moment. Um, quickly here, the last two guys, Gary Chen Jr., his current narrative, it, I mean, it's just Nick kind of said it out loud. I mean, I don't know why he said this out loud, but he said it out loud. He kind of just said, you got to fit into the team. You know, um, he's been benched. Uh, and, you know, when you think about the reports swirling around the team, Gary Trent Jr. is the one guy that you keep hearing about in terms of just like, well, he's coming up on a on a contract year here. He can, you know, decline his player option and get into free agency. The Raptors, do they want to pay him? Sounds like they don't want to pay him. That means they probably want to move him. So that's the current narrative. For me, the turnaround is just like for him personally, just continue to score off the bench, continue to be a great pro. Obviously, play solid defense. To be honest, going back to the Clipper tape, I mean, the way Gary was gambling defensively, I don't know what was happening with him, but there were plays where he would just take himself out of the play entirely for for no apparent reason. 
So he's got to be more solid on defense the way Nick wants. But listen, ultimately, it's not just about what Nick wants. It's about what the league would ultimately want. And Gary's a very talented player. He's shown a lot at a very young age already. He's still only 23, and he's already proven himself to be a really good scorer. And yeah, I mean, listen, if if he can just continue to showcase what he can be, there is going to be a lot of value for him in the league, whether that's in a trade, whether that's in in a signing next year. But yeah, he's just got to continue to stay solid more than anything else. And if he proves that he's a good defender, which he has done last season, then it's going to really impact sort of the the scale and, and the level that he's going to be paid at. But, you know, that that's basically it for me. Like, it's Gary is who he is, you know? Yeah, no, I think so. I think Gary's one of those guys where we, we talk about and we know exactly what he he brings to the table. And I guess it's it's one of those things too. It's funny watching him going up against Norm the other night. I know you pointed this out. Like at one point, I think they both had like the same <laughs> stat line. So like, yep, it was like eighteen points and like one assist. And you know, the Raptors no made that trade. The Raptors made that trade to 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 get younger and and to kind of punt the decision down the line on that roster spot of not paying norm long term and then getting a look at gary and obviously signing him to this to this new contract after tampa and now they're gonna have another decision to make i don't know like it just seems increasingly likely like if you just crunch the numbers and stuff like i don't know if there's a long-term future here for gary like i don't know Mm. yeah well listen if you 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 you, if you want to move on from gary I, i get that i personally really like gary but you know I think if you do move on from him, you're going to have the same issue as when you move on from Norm. you got to need someone to actually play two guard for you and actually bring three-point shooting and actual scoring. <laughs> Why is this roster so shallow? No, well, you know, we got to have a conversation <laughs> with the front office. Maybe we'll do it tomorrow. Um, and then lastly here, uh, Precious Achua, his current narrative right now is just the offensive leap didn't really happen in terms of just the, the, the progress he made in the second half of last season. That didn't really jump over to the start of this season. And then Nick called him out, and then he got hurt immediately, right? I think the turnaround is really just to come back, be a really strong defensive player. The Raptors really need him, right? He is one of the top five defenders on the team. There's no doubt about that. Continue to focus on hustle plays, right? He's really good in transition. He's really good at, you know, securing defensive rebounds. He's plays bigger than his actual height defensively. And then I think the biggest thing is just continue to listen to Thad Young's interviews, man. The Thad Young always telling him he's special, you know? Like, I, I think that that's the, the kind of self-help that that precious i think is looking for it in a way because you put in this this note here that that precious was talking about you know how he spent his time off and he said that you know he he coped with the long injury recovery by reading you know how to win friends and influence people he read chop wood carry water he also read atomic habits he's on his fourth book right now all three of those books are self-help books you know like he's just trying to get that confidence in himself and, and try to like take the next step so for me it's just come back and be solid if you can be last year's precious i think everyone will be thrilled yeah, and you know, shouts shouts to the book collection. Those are like Heather's picks at like chapters indigo, I believe. Um, so shouts to that. No, shouts to Precious. I think I think what you mentioned is kind of sounds like to me like the Chris Boucher plan in, in terms of just what you need to focus on and when when you're coming off the bench. But yeah, we saw so much potential from Precious in the second half of last season. And I know he struggled to start this year, but and unfortunately went down with the injury again, I know you've said this too, like, I know he's not going to turn everything around for, for this defense, but, you know, he does bring a different element to this team. And it's it's honestly getting to the point in the season now where they, you know, the, the, this team needs to see what they have. Like you mentioned, they're not even in the play-in right now. Yeah. All right. Well, so, um, you know, between the lines? Yeah. Now it's time for Between the Lines, brought to you by Bet Rivers. It's a whole new game. The Raptors are hosting... John Moran and the Memphis Grizzlies. 
Tonight, the Grizzlies are three-point favorites on the road. They're coming off back-to-back blowout losses to mm. Golden State and Phoenix. We know what the Raptors are coming off of, coming off of uh, Kawhi Leonard sleepwalking his way to, uh, <laughs> to a day at work. <laughs> Incredible no, performance. Harder, Kawhi, are you on the show, man? <laughs> no, man. Ka- Kawhi Leonard was generational the other night. The way he just jogged to the corner and just threw passes to Zubac. <laughs> Oh man! Incredible. He would he would run the fast break, but then walk the fast break. He, would he never slow once down the fast he break. never once helped uh, his teammates when when Nick brought out his patented full court press. Like <laughs> he didn't just, just to, man. <laughs> yo, it was incredible. Just an incredible performance. He's uh, like, why is Nick sending three guys at me? Um, but yeah, so Raptors are back at home tonight. You know, it, their last two home games have been really disappointing if you think about it. Against the Clippers, which was a very winnable game. And against mm. the Warriors without Steph, which, mm. you know, they came out very flat as well. It's really hard to, to predict which Raptors team is, is, is going to show up right now and, and you know, how they're going to shoot from three. So, I don't know. For, for me, I would be leaning Memphis. Yeah, you know, I, I hear all those reasons. But for me, I, I just think the Raptors have matched up well with Memphis over the years. They've had a lot of good comeback wins against them. I think the extra size really does help on that front because Memphis does play a lot through their guards. And listen, Memphis has a lot of size as well. In the front court, you got to keep them off the offensive glass. But they're not a really strong road team. They're 7-10 and 10 on the road this season. And yeah, I think I, I'll, I'll, I will go. I'm going to give you the Raptors. Give me the Raptors. Yeah. Okay. Uh, okay. Famous let's last see. words. Give me the Raptors. Anyway, yeah, let's, that was Between the Lines. Brought to you by Bet Rivers. It's a whole new game. And that does it for us today. I've been your host, Will Lou, and you've been listening to The Raptor Show on the Sportsnet Radio Network. Make sure you find The Raptor Show wherever you listen to podcasts and subscribe, and please rate and review our show. Thanks once again to our producer and co-host, Alex Wong. Thanks to Malachi Flynn for doing the interview with us. Thanks to our board producer, Connor Lamont. And before I go, I just wanted to say rest in peace to Pele, a true legend, like literally the legend of all legends when it comes to world football. He passed away at the age of 82. Um yeah, I mean, you could say whatever you really want about Pele. You could talk about the fact that he's the only player ever to win three World Cups. But, um, yeah, you you know Pele. He's one of those people that uh, he touched a lot of hearts. Uh, he brought the game of football to a global height that, you know, it remains at this day. And, uh, yeah, just rest in peace to him.